This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Indo Daily, but first. When I got out to the Wicklow Mountains, when I came to the end of the line, I, I felt this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. I'm Nicola Talent, and every week you can hear stories about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld on my podcast, Crime World. This was a stitch up from start to end. I talk to those who get up close and personal with gangsters, mobsters, and notorious criminals. They have taught in every conceivable way of disguising cocaine. Crime World is available wherever you get your podcasts. Another week, another apology from the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I want to say sorry. And I'm sorry for the things we simply didn't get right and also sorry for the way that this matter has been handled. But away from the cameras in the House of Commons, another power struggle is playing out. And it's that of the supposed arch rivalry between Mr Johnson's wife, Carrie, and former Chief of Staff Dominic Cummings. But why are there so many claims of disharmony between the PM's former right-hand man and his wife? And did it all really start over a dog? I'm Siobhan Maguire and joining me today are Sarah Cadden, Sunday Independent columnist and John Downing, Irish Independent writer. John Downing, who is Dominic Cummings? And tell me, did this supposed fallout with Carrie Johnson really all start over a dog? Well, Dominic Cummings is the guy who who used to be uh, a key advisor to Boris Johnson. And then suddenly one day he wasn't. He has been a very vocal uh, critic sniping uh, at, from the sidelines at Boris Johnson for quite some time. And there is a strong view among even the more uh, conservative and sober uh, writers and commentators around uh, the London Parliament, around the administrative area, which is referred to as Whitehall, and that what is going on at the moment can in some ways be seen as uh, a, a straight tilt between Boris Johnson's wife, Carrie Johnson, nay Simmons, and Dominic Cummings. Uh, it was uh, seen re- really that uh, one or other of them had to go and it wasn't going to be Mrs. Johnson. Is it about the dog? Did it start with the dog? It could well have done. There are 
uh, reliable reports that we have not seen uh, challenged very strongly saying that uh, Dominic Cummings first uh, took exception to Mrs. Johnson, Carrie Johnson, uh, when she made a formal complaint uh, to the press uh, complaints service uh, in London about uh, a report in the London Times that her dog, Dylan, had behavioural problems and, and attitude difficulties. There are, there are other things which certainly combined with this. Um, things first uh, went sour between Boris and Dominic Cummings when he was absent in the very early and vital stages of the COVID uh, outbreak in early 2020. At that stage, uh, Carrie uh, Carrie Johnson was uh, seven months pregnant and they took to uh, going away first to Chevening, which is which is the uh, foreign minister's uh, country retreat and later to Checkers. Checkers was out of action for a while. There was building work going on there and Cummings was quite miffed that there were emerging reports that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, wasn't showing up at very important planning meetings and reaction meetings. Sarah Cadden, can I just bring you in here? So the dog, he was the one with behavioural issues in all of this. Yes, uh, he was reported to have uh, urinated in somebody's bag and have chewed the furniture at Checkers. Um, And Carrie... uh, Johnson was supposed to have taken grave exception to this and wanted there to be a formal complaint made by the Prime Minister about it during the time when, you know, they were really, you know, everyone was there was sort of at the beginning of COVID, a lot of fear and a, a lot of, you know, the country looking to Boris Johnson in the UK to show leadership. And here he was being asked to sign off on a letter complaining about, uh, you know, an article written about their dog and Cummings apparently took grave exception to this. That is said to be the you know the origin of their their falling out. But I suppose if you look at how it's characterised, it's almost like you know sort of a teenage you know my mate's met a girl and oh, she's turned his head <laughs> and you know he only listens to her now and they kind of all come out of it badly. You know the the dog is one petty note in the whole thing, but really a lot of it is quite um, you know, juvenile in the way it's portrayed, really. And it, it, we, we've had in in the last week alone this uh, New York Magazine interview uh, with Dominic Cummings where, I mean, he's basically saying that um, it is his duty to get rid of, of Boris Johnson. And um, the, the amount of kind of um, vitriol that has been kind of seeping out, I mean, it's, it's turning pretty nasty, isn't it, Sarah? It is. And again, I mean, you know, the more you kind of look at this, the more you see that everyone in it really and this kind of trio there there is an element of caricature to them so you know the sour grapes aspect to the Cummings angle that you know he feels it's he portrays it as his duty to to bring Boris down uh, for the sake of the country but really most people regard it as you're bitter because you got the boot and you're now you know wreaking revenge and it isn't seen really as anything more noble than that 
And John uh, Downing, can I bring you back in here just in relation to Dominic Cummings uh, leaving number 10? And we had that image of him uh, walking forlornly outside um, of number 10, carrying his cardboard boxes. Can you talk us uh, talk to us a little bit about what led to that uh, particular resignation? Yeah, Dominic Cummings is one of these strange figures. He's he's around, which astonished me when I was just looking back and and pulling together a few notes about this. He's around for more than 20 years on on the fringes of high-level British politics, involved in all sorts of things. Uh, Before, he was a key figure in Brexit, came up with certain things. It's credited with the take back control, the bogus uh, leave leave the EU and we will resolve the migration, the influx of migrants, most of whom are not from the EU. And and, uh, he was was involved going way back. But uh, his, his role, he he has been linked to other senior politicians in the past, notably Michael Gove, and was seen to have been particularly treacherous in hand in glove with Michael Gove in 2016, uh, and when they basically left Boris in the lurch and Theresa May came on the scene. But to, to quicken up and, and go, when, when Boris Johnson got to be Prime Minister in July 2019, he brought Dominic Cummings along as his chief of staff. Uh, he thought he saw him as something of a Rottweiler who uh, has contempt for politicians and an intense dislike uh, of civil servants and wants to make war on them. And uh, Boris Johnson kind of applauds those sentiments, but really lacks the the courage and the conviction to act upon them. So he was bringing. Uh, uh, Dominic Cummings along as a kind of enforcer. My God, the trouble that man brought down on top of Boris's head, it, it, it's hard to exaggerate it. For example, he he ran an ad saying that he was looking for people who think outside the box. He was specifically looking for uh, to to come and work with him in Downing Street in the in the back rooms. And he was looking for weirdos and misfits. And by God, he got one in a man called Andrew Sibisky. Sibisky, when they, when they, for all he was apparently a very talented person, but they, when they ran backroom checks on him, background checks on him, subsequently they found that he was an advocate of giving children uh, mental performance-enhancing drugs, and uh, whatever health risks there might be, were probably worth a dead kid once a year. He also praised eugenics, a central tenet of of the Nazis' um, ideology. And there was a right row. Andrew Sabisky, that peculiar genius, uh, went in a blaze of glory after a series of rows with Boris Johnson, with uh, Dominic Cummings trying to defend, defend this strange young man. But that was nothing compared to his... uh, uh, other furore in the summer of 2020, he was found to have broken the rules of COVID uh, restrictions, driving his family 270 miles from London to Durham, uh, despite uh, thinking they had been exposed to, to COVID-19. Then he did a 60-mile round trip 
uh, to a place, to a beauty spot called Barnard Castle to see if his eyes were all right and if he could drive safely. It takes 60 miles to clarify that one. Uh, so that led to a prolonged... Boris Johnson stood uh, by his man, so to speak, at that situation through the summer of May 2020. But one thing borrowed another. And by, as you say, November uh, November 2020, uh, Dominic Cummings had to go. There is that wistful photograph of him leaving number 10 with a big box, uh, a lot of speculation that the, the big file box contained a lot of ammunition, which we may have seen being deployed in recent weeks. It just the whole thing was a complete disaster. And the truth is, and then it undermined public confidence in, 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 in the whole thing. The truth is, if I just, when the Prime Minister said on the Monday, we can't hold this line, we're going to have to explain things. If I just basically sent my family back out of London and said, here's the truth to the, to the public, I think people would have understood the situation and it was a terrible misjudgment not to, not to do that. Well, indeed, John. I mean, they say uh, hell hath no fury than a woman scorned. I would beg to differ that uh, this could well apply to a political advisor scorned in this particular instance. And actually, that day of of Dominic Cummins leaving uh, number 10 um, is also a talking point now with the Sue Gray report. Um, We understand that there are claims that there may have been a party that particular evening um, one with a, an almost um, ABBA-themed uh, The Winner Takes It All, um, where Carrie was present, Sarah Cadden. Um, you know, we've, we've heard an awful lot about Dominic. Can you give me some insight into exactly who Carrie Johnson is? Well, it's interesting what John says about Dominic Cummings' background in the Conservative Party. In a way, you kind of, uh, there are parallels with Carrie Johnson in that you know, it, whether Cummings enjoyed the politics or was a, you know, was was his heart really in the Conservative Party? You wouldn't be sure. And uh, Carrie uh, Simmons, as she was, studied uh, art history and theatre at Warwick University, and then one of her first jobs was working with uh, MP Zach Goldsmith in. Uh, 2020. And she has said she's not sure she ever would have got involved with the Tory party if she hadn't worked for him. And she seems to enjoy the work and not necessarily, you know, be enamoured of the party itself. But she went on to hold quite a few positions as an advisor within uh, the Conservative Party after that. She worked for as a media advisor to Saji Javid and she was the head of communications for the Tories until 2018 when she left to do the PR for a, a, a sea, an environmental oceans um, group. You know, she's always been tied in. She did come back to the Conservative Party then and then became romantically involved with Boris Johnson in 2019, several months after the breakup of his second marriage to Marina Wheeler. And Johnson, you know, always has been quite, you know, it's to trivialise it, to call it colourful, but he has been uh, quite 
he's been married. This is his third marriage. It's not actually, you know, officially known how many children he has. It's either six now or seven. Um, he was found to have lied about a relationship um, in the past. He had a child outside of his marriage while he was mayor of London. So, you know, it's quite a, you know, a tempestuous t- history that he has. And then this very bright obviously vivacious uh, woman comes into the picture and she's the first girlfriend ever to live with the Prime Minister. Planned and performed in secret, the Prime Minister and Carrie Simmons celebrate their wedding that almost no one knew was happening. And they, I believe, are the, were the first marriage of, of a Prime Minister since the 1900 or the 1800s or so. Downing Street releasing these pictures of the now Mr and Mrs Johnson today after marrying on Saturday afternoon. So it's been quite you know, un- unusual, an unusual trajectory uh, for a Prime Minister's wife. And John, um, I mean, just just what we hear about Carrie. I mean, she, you know, she has a a career, an established career um, in communications, and yes, some some of the 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 issues that are claimed around the the kind of uh, difficult relationship between Cummings and uh, and Mrs. Johnson uh, were around the fact that uh, you know potentially she was trying to tell Dominic Cummings how to do his job. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is no doubt there are. Uh, allegations of sexism against uh, Carrie Johnson and, uh, you know, this sort of characterization of of uh, engaging, you know, of, of being a sort of Lady Macbeth type figure, if you will, or a, or a Nancy Reagan in the background, sort of somehow pulling strings. Um, it's, it's, there may be an element of that. Uh, I mean, I think we all have to be careful how we speak about these things, for example. That said, she certainly has a considerable role and influence on Boris Johnson. She certainly is more than uh, just uh, a stay-at-home wife. She is something of a political player. And there is no doubt about that. And... you know, the, the the kind of lines that are being delivered uh, in recent weeks in relation to all of this, you know, and, and I'll, I'll go back to this New York Times magazine just for, for one of the comments um, that that's attributed to Dominic Cummings, that he has compared his campaign to oust Mr. Johnson to fixing the drains. So there's a very clear, um, or uh, I should say, there, there there may seem to be uh, a, a real drive there to try and and get as much detail out about what has happened while he was working alongside Mr. Johnson. And then the flip side of that is um, Carrie Johnson maintaining quite dignified silence throughout all of this. I wonder if there will come a time, Sarah, where we're going to hear from her. Well, I, I suppose possibly when it's in everyone's interest for her to, I mean, at the, at the moment, Cummings comes out of that, if you want to call it rivalry, quite badly. There is that suggestion. Now, it's been said that it wasn't he who used it, but someone within his group that used the name Princess Nutnut for her. But he did in a kind of like ask me anything Q&A after he, he lost his job. Uh, he was kind of asked, what's the problem with Boris? And he said, well, you know, he has certain character character failings himself, but his biggest mistake is he married a wrong one. And, you know, he has 
referred to her in his ear, but also kind of screaming in his ear. So this sort of shrill characterization of her and that kind of very, um, it is quite an offensive characterization of her, you know, being a screeching kind of Harridan in the background telling Boris what to do. And they were kind of over the last year or so, um, you know, there's all these little drip drip against her with things like that she comes into the room when there's a ministerial meeting and shoves the baby into his arms in a kind of, you know, do your bit kind of thing. Whereas, you know, he's the prime minister, but, you know, in lockdown, the lines all got blurred on the parental <laughs> Um, That's exactly it. But and also, Sarah, I mean, you know, people will remember uh, all the stories about the decor. Yes, yes. And that, uh, that you see, they also there's been lots of drip drip about Boris being incredibly like worn out by her, you know, that she's demanding and always telling him what to do and pushing him around. And some people have said about Boris, and I think it came up earlier that he He's kind of a pleaser. So if, you know, whatever's being said to him at the time, he'll agree with that person face to face, but then he may go off and do the exact opposite. So you can kind of see while Cummings was there, he was involved with two strong characters. And, you know, it has been said in certain reports that he would agree with both of them and then obviously have to betray one of them. And uh, Carrie uh, is said to, you know, he is said to, she is said to be kind of in his ear the whole time. And that's so he spends more time um, in the office, not because he's, you know, a, a workaholic, but because he doesn't want to go home, which, you know, has its own kind of sexist angle to it. But he, um, you know, one of the things I read about Carrie, and I did think you you could apply this to some things that have been said about Boris recently, which was that she toxifies every situation she goes into, but she's so charming that, you you know, people tend not to notice this maybe until you know it all falls apart. But in some ways, you could say the three of them actually have quite a lot in common. Things got even more complicated for the Prime Minister today after his former chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, says he'll swear under oath that Boris Johnson is lying about his prior knowledge of the Bring Your Own Boost party in Downing Street. Number 10 say that's just not true. John Downing, uh, can we expect uh, a lot more drip feeding in the coming weeks, do you think? I think so, yes. I mean, in in a funny way, uh, on the one hand, the intervention, the very belated and strange intervention by the, by the London Metropolitan Police, their investigation, which in a sense... Uh, totally censored the Sue Gray report into all of these parties at uh, Downing Street. Um, the, the outcome of that means that whatever happens, the full Sue Gray report, he is committed under pressure to publish that in due course whenever the police uh, withdraw from the from the scene. So that means this thing is going to go on, even assuming that he can somehow muddle through these current difficulties. Uh, I think there is, um, you mentioned the the idea of Dominic Cummings being a determined uh, political advisor scorned. He's certainly determined to get even uh, with Boris Johnson for basically pulling the rug from under him. But there is very strong speculation to suggest that he's, also uh, backing the future candidature of the the current 
uh, finance minister or chancellor of the exchequer, as they call him, Rishi Sunak. And Rishi Sunak got that job, um, got the job of chancellor, a very powerful job within itself, with some help from uh, Dominic Cummings when he was a key uh, Boris advisor. So that is certainly out there in the ether also. This one will run and run, and I think it is only a matter of time before we will be saying farewell, Boris. Sarah Cadden, final word? Well, I think the playing of the winner takes it all might have been a bit previous. It may it may resurface, <laughs> but not in Gary's house. And that was Sarah Cadden, Sunday Independent columnist. And my thanks also to John Downing, Irish Independent writer. Well, I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie, ITN News, the BBC News and Sky News. And if you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. (laughs) 